Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, it's Besha, and you're listening to the Slow Newscast from Tortoise. When our reporter, Sam Weinberg, first started working on this episode, it was supposed to be about fake images and bad science. But over the weeks, she was sucked into something else, something bigger. It's a story about the uneasy tension between pharmaceutical research and Wall Street, between science, money and hope. This week, she's wading through allegations, insults and lawsuits and diving into the world of the pharma casino. I feel that um, a, a person who cheats in science should not be a scientist anymore. So I think in general, scientists have always been a little naive and very uh, trusting their peers and, and, and not being aware that some people will cheat. Elizabeth Bick is an unlikely detective. She's tall for a start, so she'd find it hard to melt into a crowd. And her special subject is the microbiome. Bacteria, fungi, viruses. I was born and raised and did my PhD in the Netherlands. And uh, I moved about uh, 20 years ago to the United States to work as a microbiologist at Stanford. Which makes it more surprising that I'm coming to meet her in Gouda, where the cheese comes from, to talk to her about whether she still thinks scientists are naive and trusting. After all, she's caught up in a vicious multi-million dollar battle over Alzheimer's research. But we'll get to that later. On the journey over, I read that she collects tortoise figurines. I later find out that she has 1,837 of them described in a spreadsheet, plus a box still to be numbered. She's waiting in the drizzle of an October morning when the train pulls in, wearing grey slacks, a maroon jacket and sensible shoes. Morning. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm Elizabeth. Nice to meet you. Oh, thank you. Elizabeth Bick's sleuthing career started in 2013 with an idol quest. Well, somebody talked, I think, on a podcast about plagiarism. And I thought, let's just take a sentence that I have written and put it between quotes in Google Scholar to see if somebody had stolen my sentence. And it was just a, I expected this to be a 30-second thing and not lead to anything. She was shocked to discover that the first sentence she Googled was copied verbatim in two other scientific papers. Papers which are meant to be a benchmark of scientific integrity. New research or surveys scrupulously checked over by scientific peers. And that sort of led me on a on a hunt to find more plagiarized papers because a lot of these sentences, if I put them in Google Scholar again, I found other papers. And so it became this, this hairball of plagiarism cases where 
One case led to another and to more and more and more. She began to realise that the problem wasn't just with stolen words creeping into scientific journals, but images too. And I flipped through the images and I just happened to notice that one of the images had been used twice. Actually three times, I found a third one as well. And it made me even more angry because this is like, this looked like cheating. Sitting in the neat and spare spare room of her mum's apartment, she shows me how she does it. Just showing me what a problem looks oh, like. Oh, yeah, of course. You wanna... And this is the... Because I have... Yeah, to oh, me, that just look like blobs. Um... She picks out a series of images in a paper, magnifies them, rotates and flips them, and then peers closely at her screen to see if she can find any similarities. At some point, you start to see this rectangle around it. It's like an inverse game of spot the difference. Oh, yeah. You see it? Yeah. So it has a rectangle around these lines. Then there are the photoshopped images. She shows me a likely offender. But look at that sort of that white, yeah, thin white very, line. Yes. It's very pronounced. And it does, you know, you can A halo of white surrounding a black blob is clearly at odds with the background of the neighboring blob. But it's rectangular, which yeah. nothing in nature is, like all these bands. It's as if an absent family member has been pasted into a wedding photo. We're subtle. But you can feel her glee at finding it. She has a rare gift for it and a dogged obsessiveness. To date, she's scanned around 100,000 papers. They form the foundations of pyramids of science on which companies, treatments, billions of dollars of research are built. For me, science is about finding the truth, about finding out how things work. And if you cheat or fake, that is just not what science should be. So it made me very angry. And I feel I'm still powering on that <laughs> on that anger that I'm still feeling to, to look at more papers and more papers and more papers. I'm fascinated. But what surprises me most is that her work, this scientific sleuthing, can be risky, borderline dangerous. She was one of the first people to call out publicly the French doctor who promoted hydroxychloroquine Donald Trump's favourite COVID treatment. The doctor responded online, calling her a crazy woman, a witch hunter, and a person of medium intelligence. And at some point, about a year ago, there was a statement by one of his other professors who works also in that institution, who said, we're going to sue Elizabeth Big, me, for harassment, for extortion, and for blackmailing. And uh, that was when they published my home address also. So they uh, they showed a screenshot of the, the complaint they had filed against me with my home address. It's an astonishing response and a vicious one. But Elizabeth doesn't spook easily. And her current battle may turn out to be the most brutal yet. And the sad thing, the mad thing, is that it centers on something that should be a cause for hope an experimental drug that promises to help people suffering with Alzheimer's disease. Depending on which side you're on, it's either about stifling a treatment that could save lives. So me, my passion and my anger is is because I feel that there's a wrong happening right now. Financial investors have been acting so aggressively to first prevent, and then when that failed, then halt the trial of a drug that has, you know, so much promise. 
or holding potentially suspect scientific practice to account. And what I found in my evaluation of that work um, was that there were some pretty concerning red flags. So I thought, okay, let's take a look. And I, I agreed with most of these concerns. I'm Samantha Weinberg, and this is the Slow Newscast from Tortoise. In this episode, The Alzheimer's Casino, I'm going to open the doors into the world of medical research, where science, big money, and hope combine to create a toxic cocktail of greed and mistrust. You might think that you know what Alzheimer's disease is like, but you don't really. Not until you've got a family member who has it, or you've watched a friend struggling to cope with it. Um, you know, he's in his 70s. He's been waking up and making his own coffee longer than I've been alive and all of a sudden wasn't able to make a simple pot of coffee. Hilary Metz is a lawyer based in Miami. We speak on Zoom while her dog tries to distract her attention. I can see the sadness in her smile when she's talking about her dad who has early-stage Alzheimer's. She started noticing the symptoms in 2021. It was very stressful for my mom. She was she was very upset. I could just tell that it was not a good situation. Alzheimer's doesn't just affect the person with the disease. It threads through families and friendships, seeding disruption and heartbreak. My dad was living in ignorant bliss, but my mom was the one where we were getting to the point where we were thinking, I don't know if he should be left in the house alone. Alzheimer's disease is the most common cause of dementia. The brain atrophies. You forget your daughter's dog's name, then that you have a daughter. You get confused and angry and ask the same question over and over. It's like you shed the bits of you that made you who you were, the talents, ticks, loves and hates, the experiences accrued over a lifetime until you just exist in other people's memories. It currently affects an estimated 50 million people around the world, and that's projected to rise to 152 million by 2050. So an effective treatment is both longed for and potentially very lucrative. Matt Naktrab watched his grandfather fade from what he believes was Alzheimer's. I grew up with him. Um, he played poker with me from the age of five. So um, normally it was him and I interacting um, at, at family gatherings and we would sneak off and, and play poker by ourselves or some sort of card game. So I had a long history of uh, spending time with him. Uh, and as he was going through the, the um, deterioration from Alzheimer's disease, he stopped being able to recognize me, um, which was tough for me. Um, that was when I was around 18 or so. Uh, and uh, like he recognized my brother, who never spent any time with him. <laughs> uh, but he thought he was a Toledo Mudhens baseball player, which was totally uh, incorrect. Alzheimer's is arguably the illness with the most stubborn resistance to human ingenuity. Between 2016 and 2021, the U.S. Food and Drug Agency, the FDA, approved 207 new cancer drugs. They're close to 60 approved diabetes drugs. But for Alzheimer's, no such luck. Which is why, when a small biotech startup, with around two dozen employees and no labs of its own, 
announced last year that clinical trials had shown marked improvements in memory and understanding, people paid attention. At Cassava Sciences, we have one mission and only one mission, and that is to defeat Alzheimer's disease. Cassava Sciences became the hot new thing in Alzheimer's research. We're a biotech company. We have a treatment, an investigational treatment, I might add, for uh, also patients with Alzheimer's disease. And we also have a, an investigational blood-based diagnostic to detect Alzheimer's disease. That's all we do. And if they do it, it would be an enormous breakthrough. Up to now, most drugs have been targeted at dissolving buildups of protein, plaques and tangles, that were first found in the brain of a woman who had died after exhibiting the symptoms we now associate with Alzheimer's. That was in 1906. But Cassava's drug, Simifilum, takes a radically different line, working to restore the shape and function of yet another protein, filamin A, that becomes distorted in the brains of people with Alzheimer's. It's an approach that has not even been thought of elsewhere. When we explain the treatment to one of the foremost Alzheimer's experts in the world, he told us that the science seemed difficult to justify and that there is really nothing solid connecting this protein to Alzheimer's disease. Simifilum is not on the market yet. But when Cassava Sciences announced the results of those small clinical trials and that the National Institutes of Health, the US medical research agency, had approved funding for much larger phase three trials, its share price shot up. This was during the peak time of meme stocks, when internet popularity on sites such as Reddit would create hype around specific stocks. Cassava Sciences became the darling of small, dedicated investors on the Nasdaq stock exchange. The stock is referred to as Sava, and so the investors became known as Savages. It works much better with an American accent. Cassava. Savages. So Cassava Sciences, our best stock of the year, we said at the beginning of the year, could be the best stock of the year, and for a while it was, and it's still up there. Would you believe me if I tell you that my Discord members gifted me $7,500 for my Sava stock tip that jumped 700% in just two weeks? The investors we spoke to all say they had a personal, as well as a financial reason, for investing in the stock. A family history of the disease, the fear that one day they or their children would be assaulted by it, and there wouldn't be a cure. Many of these investors congregate online in subreddits or Discord servers to discuss Cassava's work, to pore over reports and research, to pick apart criticism and competitors. Rob, that's not his real name, is a lawyer based in California. His wife is genetically predisposed to Alzheimer's disease. And he first bought Cassava stock in the summer of 2021, when the share price was surging upwards. He's in regular touch with other investors from around the world. Many of them are very, either from their own background, you know, scientifically literate in this area, or willing and able to really dig into the papers, dig into the release numbers, and tease out as much as possible from the you know, information that's released. Speaking to Cassava investors, I recognize the same level of obsession that I see in Elizabeth Bick. They're almost evangelical about somifilum. If either of you had a family member with 
showing symptoms of Alzheimer's, would you encourage them to go on a trial? Absolutely. That's a decision 100% based on the like uh, underlying data and the papers, not based on any kind of financial incentive. Last summer, the future was looking really bright for cassava. By July 2021, it had a market capitalization of $5 billion. That's about twice the current market cap of Marks & Spencer's. For a firm with no lab, no customers, no approved product, just hope. That was until August, when a citizen's petition was filed to the FDA. It was filed by Jordan Thomas, a Wall Street lawyer who specialises in representing whistleblowers, on behalf of two unnamed clients. In the opening salvo of his covering letter, he wrote, Cassava Sciences apparently didn't get the Theranos memo. We have some breaking news we want to get to out of California. It concerns the Elizabeth Holmes trial. The verdict is in. The disgraced Theranos founder and CEO found guilty on four of 11 counts in her landmark Silicon Valley fraud case. The jury reaching a verdict just moments ago after seven days of deliberations. The petition, which was accompanied by a 42-page scientific report, claimed that some of the research behind Cassava's drug raised red flags, and that the data associated with the trials strongly suggests scientific misconduct and systematic data manipulation. It urged the FDA to pause upcoming clinical trials. And it implied that Cassava Sciences is built on a house of cards, or perhaps more accurately, a house of shaky science. Within days, the cassava stock collapsed. The company lost billions of dollars in value. With this great new hope shattering around them, not to forget the dwindling value of their shareholdings, the savages were furious. You know, we have six million people in the US dying of this disease and effectively zero real treatment. You know, it, it blows my mind. And it's, uh, it's, it's hard not to get physically angry talking about it. You know, when you, this could affect my family again. But they weren't angry at Cassava Sciences. They were angry at the men who filed the petition. Because here's the rub. Jordan Thomas's clients turned out to be two scientists who'd never worked at Cassava. And they'd shorted the stock, sold an undisclosed number of shares that they didn't yet own at a high price in the expectation that it would fall. In essence, the whistleblowers had bet on cassava failing. And from their point of view, the quicker the better. For them, cassava's crash would have been set to the music of clattering coins. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You can see the dramas hitting cassava sciences by tracing the alpine profile of its share price. Matt Nachtraub, who you heard earlier telling his grandfather's story, is a full-time investor. He decided to buy shares after the citizens' petition. And he was so outraged by what he considered to be unfair criticism that he became a significant investor. He bought a total of 500,000 shares, which, even after the price slumped, must have put him back. Well, do the math. Like, they're using the term whistleblowers, and the standard definition that you think of with whistleblower is somebody from the inside. They're not from the inside. They've never been from the inside. They didn't process data for cassava. They were not a contractor for cassava. They had nothing to do with any of it. Anyone can submit a citizen's petition to the FDA. And Jordan Thomas's clients also filed a whistleblower tip with the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC. That's the US financial watchdog. It's a quirk of the whistleblowers program that you don't need to work within a company to submit a complaint. Whistleblowers do stand to earn a bounty if their complaint is upheld. And let's not forget, In this case, they'd already earned an undisclosed amount from shorting the stock. It's worth pointing out that shorting stock is not illegal. When we approached Jordan Thomas, he declined to comment on behalf of himself and his clients, but added, Cassava is a very interesting case. We know from other interviews, though, that his clients, who both have backgrounds in neuroscience research, decided that the data behind the company just didn't stack up. They're not alone. I'm Matthew Schrag, and I live in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, work at Vanderbilt uh, University, and I run a little research laboratory studying uh, the relationship between Alzheimer's disease and um, blood vessel diseases of the brain. 
Matthew Schrag is a neuroscientist and a practicing doctor who'd been vocal with safety concerns about clinical trials for another potential Alzheimer's drug, which was probably why Jordan Thomas approached him last summer to compile the scientific report which underpinned the citizens' petition. And what I found in my evaluation of that work um, was that there were some pretty concerning red flags. Um, and the, the pattern of red flags was pretty pervasive. It was, um, f- you know, it's distributed through a, a fairly large body of the work that uh, underlied the development of this drug. Matthew found some images that he believed had been duplicated, rotated, or spliced together. And it wasn't just the images that he claimed smelled a bit fishy. So as we got deeper into the analysis, one of the things that struck me was uh, some of the methodologies that they were using simply didn't seem viable. Um, And one of the most striking elements was that they were testing the drug on dead human brain um, that had been archived for prolonged periods of time. And they were showing um, pretty remarkably complex biological effects of the drug in dead, minced up, brain that had been frozen for a long time, which just, to me, didn't make a great deal of sense. And some of the things that they were suggesting that they could show required the the tissue to synthesize uh, new proteins very rapidly. And of course, dead brain simply doesn't do that. I'm sorry. (laughs) You kind of got me at the minced up dead brains. This is where Elizabeth Bick stormed in. If anyone can spot a manipulated image... It's Elizabeth. She started looking into the cassava research herself. And so all of these concerns, most of them at least, I agreed with. I found some additional ones. And I posted all of these on a website called PubPeer, where you can comment uh, on papers. But I like to post there because I like to warn other readers that there might be a potential problem with a paper. And she did what Elizabeth Bick does. She wrote about it in her blog... And she tweeted about it to her 130,000 followers. And it provoked attention and pushback from supporters of cassava. But once Elizabeth gets something between her teeth, she doesn't let go. She's at pains to tell us that her concerns about the images don't necessarily mean that the drug doesn't work. She doesn't have an opinion on that. But it seems to me that she just can't stop herself from diving into controversies. Most of the research and development related to cassava science's drug somifilin was done by Hao Yan Wang, an associate professor at the City University of New York. In fact, he's the author of every paper written about the drug and the leading researcher working on the mechanism it uses. His lab receives funding from cassava. Several of Dr. Wang's papers were co-authored by cassava's senior scientist, Dr. Lindsay Burns. Dr. Burns, who won a silver medal for rowing at the Atlanta Olympics, is married to Remy Barbier, the company's CEO. Following the citizens' petition, Remy Barbier issued a statement. Let me be very clear. I think these allegations are false. We intend to vigorously defend ourselves and our stakeholders against false and misleading allegations. You can see how they line up. On one side, the ranks of people who benefit financially from the stock going up. They include the cassava bosses and Dr. Wang, 
who is eligible to receive bonuses linked to the company's share price. On the other side, the people who short the stock and profit from it falling. And in the middle, in no man's land, are the Alzheimer's patients on the Simifilin clinical trial. These include Hilary Metz's dad, who you heard about earlier. She believes Simifilin has made a difference. He's making his own coffee again and driving. Her mum feels able to leave him alone at home. So when the criticism and controversy surrounding Simifilin started sort of whirling around, how did that make you feel? Uh, pretty angry especially because I'm probably 99.9% sure that the people criticizing it and wanting to shut it down don't know anyone in the study. Love to hear from a critic or someone trying to, you know, make a financial gain off the company that has a family member on the drug. But wanting something to work, and even believing it does, doesn't mean that it will. That first shot, fired by the whistleblowers, has set off an avalanche of trouble for cassava. The NIH, which had provided nearly $20 million in grants for Simifilum, has withdrawn funding and is reportedly investigating the company. Nine clinical research sites have reversed out-of-running patient trials. And the Alzheimer's Association, the largest US dementia charity, no longer wants cassava to sponsor several fundraising events. That's not all. Although the original FDA petition was rejected, there are purported to be two active ongoing investigations by the SEC, which polices fraud and market manipulation. An SEC spokesperson declined to confirm or deny these investigations. And according to Reuters... The U.S. Justice Department has reportedly opened a criminal investigation into the Austin, Texas-based biotech company, Cassava Sciences. The Department of Justice did not respond to our request for confirmation. Cassava Sciences declined to confirm whether any of these investigations were taking place. In a statement last year, it said it had been cooperating with requests for company information from government agencies but had not been informed that the company or anyone associated with it had engaged in wrongdoing. Meanwhile, the City University of New York is investigating Dr. Wang. Some of the journals have retracted the papers containing suspect images. Others are sticking by the research and say they found no evidence of manipulated data. Neither Dr. Wang nor Dr. Burns responded to our request for comment. Cassava stock has failed to bounce back to the highs, though it's very much still alive. At time of writing, the company was valued at $1.41 billion. The original whistleblowers have kept their counsel since the publicity over the original petition. Online, the battle rages on. More short sellers, separate from the whistleblowers, have swooped in, clearly thinking that the only way is down. And these new opportunistic shorters have embarked on an aggressive publicity campaign of their own, setting up dedicated websites, which repeat many of the claims in the original petition, and worse. This is one of the things that really incenses the savages. But it's Elizabeth Bick who seems to draw most of their ire. Hello, investing friends. Welcome into Investors Club. Got a great show for you. Got a great takedown 
of the not great, ha, not great Elizabeth Bick. I mean, it's all, it's, you, you could call it sort of innocent, but it's, it does eat on me because you, if you get a constant stream of negativity and, and people calling you all kinds of names, like you're a failed scientist, that actual, that one hurts even more than, than calling me a bitch because I, I do like, you know, to be considered a scientist. Um, yeah, and, and, and threats of lawsuits, threats of, um, you know, we'll take, uh, we'll avenge you or the wording like that. Um, there was a photo of my, uh, my photo was photoshopped on the grave with, you know, the people of um, the Cassava Science um, CEO standing next to it, smiling, you know, photoshopped heads on, on another photo. But I find those things pretty threatening. Yeah, I mean, do you feel... If it's a grave, yeah. Do you feel physically threatened? I mean, has it made you look behind you? Not physically, no. But some of these people, you can figure out who they are. They live close to me. And, and that is sometimes scary. Yeah, I, I think in general, I've become a little bit more careful about not saying where I, are, where I am at a specific moment. In early November, there was an attempt to vandalise her Wikipedia page. The page editor called her a failure of a woman, an evil person, and accused her of taking bribes. Elizabeth Bick is often accused of profiting from her criticisms, but she assures us that's not the case. She says she earns money through speaking events, consulting and donations on Patreon, and has never been paid to look at Cassava Sciences. To the best of her knowledge, none of her donors have short positions in the company. She's critical of anyone using this to make money trying to bring down the, the, the stock price and so you, you you actually win a lot of money that's I don't know if that's illegal or not but uh, that's far outside of my expertise but yeah. that's that's not good but I do not own any stock uh, in cassava or in any of its uh, competitors Matthew Schrag is upfront about being paid eighteen thousand dollars by Jordan Thomas the lawyer to look at the research he tells us he's never held a short position or any other investment in the stock or a competitor. When asked if he stood to gain financially from any of the investigations into Cassava Sciences or was promised any money beyond his original fee, he said he had no ongoing commitments from Jordan Thomas. What strikes me most about the Cassava Sciences story is how, how murky this whole world is. Abuse bombs are being lobbed every which way. Perhaps naively, I thought that the science at least would be clear. At some point last week, I had to check myself. I was getting hooked on the big money bets around cassava sciences. Whatever the savages may think, I'll wager that Elizabeth Bick doesn't have it in for them. Well, not personally. She isn't trying to tell us whether simifilum works or not, only that the images in the papers about it appear to have been manipulated. She scans around 300 papers a day in all manner of scientific journals. And she's only really looking at the images, whether they're being used to validate a vaccine or to detect pancreatic necrosis virus in chum salmon. Elizabeth is seeking out chinks in their integrity. There are papers in science where people have cheated. And this is the complete opposite of what science should be, in my opinion. And we should 
as a society be mad about that. Uh, we should believe in science, but we should be mad about people cheating in science because science in general is funded by government money. In the end, all of us taxpayers pay for science. And, and so science should be public, but it should also be done correctly. It shouldn't be corrupt. It shouldn't be uh, resulting in fraud. And if people fraud in science, there should be consequences for them. And there seems to be very, very little. She wants there to be consequences. So she publishes all her findings online. Of the 100,000 papers she's looked at, she's found problems in 6,578. 935 of those have been retracted, 956 of them corrected. Expressions of concern have been slapped on 121. She used to write to each of the journal editors, but she found that ultimately frustrating, as they often didn't respond. Safe to say, she is not their favourite correspondent. Holden Thorpe is the editor-in-chief of the peer-reviewed academic journal Science. The thing about Elizabeth to keep in mind is that every journal editor hates hearing from her because it means there's something that we have to deal with, but she's usually right. Science publishing isn't the same as normal journalism or book publishing. It's woven into academia. For a scientist working in a university lab to progress, to get their own lab, promotion, funding, they need to publish. If you try to rush that by demanding so many papers to be published, then you it, it becomes very tempting to cheat. And also, it's much easier to publish positive results, good, shiny, beautiful findings than what most of science is, which are negative results, like it doesn't work. And so a lot of cases, the results are negative and a lot of journals do not want to publish that. Shiny new ideas are also good for the publishing company's bottom line, it appears. At a time when mainstream newspapers and glossy magazines are dying, the business of scientific publishing is booming. Elsevier, which owns nearly 3,000 journals, regularly posts 10 figure profits. That's over a billion dollars. So with all that money, what are they doing about fraud? Here's Holden Thorpe again from Science, which he took care to emphasize, gives its profits to the American Association for the Advancement of Science. I mean, it does seem that there's just so much temptation um, for the scientists. There's so many push and pull factors to submit these these papers with fraudulent images. Yeah, and you have these commercial you have these commercial juggernaut publishers that are making money on every paper that comes in. So that's that's the pull factor. So it's a real it's, it's like a systemic failure with it. Yeah, but it's probably it's probably too big to change dramatically because the universities don't have the capacity to evaluate scientists for promotion or hiring without using the journals as a proxy. And so unless somebody figures out how to solve that, um, which some people are trying to do, then we're going to have to keep trying to fix this plane while it's flying. And I think if we get better and better at picking these things up, we'll get more efficient at correcting these things. And uh, it's, it's totally fair <laughs> to criticize science for some, that, that this happens. But it's also not fair to say that science is just groupthink that uh, proceeds based on ambition 
uh, and corruption because in the long run, we all are bought into a system that will correct these things eventually. And that's why people like Elizabeth Bick are very important to the way science goes goes forward. I like the idea that when Elizabeth Bick finds a fraudulent image, that's both a success and a failure. You know, it's a failure of the, the scientists in the first place, but she's she's highlighted something which is then can be corrected. Correct. And congratulations to her for capturing people's imagination. She's an activist and she's really skilled. And in the long run, science is better off because she's doing all this. I don't know if I'm as buoyed by Elizabeth Bick's solo campaign against systemic failure as Holden Thorpe. These things don't happen in a vacuum. The doctored images the journals fail to sift out can be used to prop up shaky science that could be sending researchers, who, let's not forget, are largely funded by our taxes, down the wrong path for decades. They could provide false hope, sheltering in billion-dollar companies which is how we arrive back at Cassava Sciences. A year on from the citizens' petition, Cassava Sciences is caught in a thicket of investigations. The drama is still unfolding. In early November, there was an editorial published in the Journal of Clinical Investigation, one of the journals that has not rode back on papers by Dr. Wang. It decried so-called short and distort campaigns, an illegal practice whereby short investors spread rumours in an attempt to drive down their stock's price. The editorial also called for whistleblowers to declare conflicts of interest. The very next day, Cassava Sciences issued a muscular writ against a ragbag of short sellers, as well as the two original whistleblowers. It accused them of spreading lies and disinformation so as to manipulate the share price and line their pockets. In a statement, CEO Remy Barbier told us, We believe certain individuals, including some located in Europe, have waged a short and distort campaign against Cassava Sciences and its research. Cassava Sciences recently filed a lawsuit against such individuals. He went on to ask the media not to enable this campaign by republishing false allegations against the company and its research. To borrow a term used by Elizabeth, it's a hairball of conflicting accusations, largely flung by people with lots of money on the line, being played out in journals which are themselves raking in profits. What upsets me is the people caught in the crossfire, like Hillary's dad. Yeah, you can say someone's family member has Alzheimer's, but until you get a look inside that home and see how it affects everyone and potentially everyone's lives and how that'll change and feeling like you're losing a family member one memory at a time, it's, um, you know, it's not a good feeling at all. In the giant pharma casino, the stakes are hope and despair. Matt and Rob, the cassava evangelicals, are sitting at the Green Bay's table alongside the cassava bosses and the whistleblowers and the short sellers. The savages would say Elizabeth Bick is there too, but I like to think of her as the casino detective trying to figure out who's counting the cards, just not very undercover. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Slow Newscast from Tortoise. It was reported by me, Samantha Weinberg, and produced by Claudia Williams. 
The editors were Jasper Corbett and Kerry Thomas, with sound design by Mao Lissetto. Before you go, I just wanted to let you know that we released the final episode of Pig Iron, my nine-month-long investigation into the fascinating story of a young man called Christopher Allen who was killed on the front line of a war in South Sudan. At the heart of it all is the question, who killed him and why? But it quickly grew into a bigger story about war and journalism and why we do what we do. The full series is available to Tortoise Plus subscribers on Apple Podcasts or to members of our newsroom. To join Tortoise, just go to tortoisemedia.com and use my code BASHA50. That's B-A-S-I-A-5-0. And the first five episodes are available for free wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Pig Iron from Tortoise. And as ever, if you enjoy the slow newscast, please do give us a follow or leave us a review. Thank you and see you next week. Traffic jams tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.